Hello and welcome to another SPAC Insider Podcast. I'm Nick Clayton, and this week my colleague Marlena Haddad and I will be speaking with Dave Weiser, CEO and founder of GET. GET entered into a $1 billion accommodation agreement with Rosecliff Acquisition Corp. in November. It is pioneering a new form of ground transportation software to help companies manage their travel policies, expensing, and individual trips both locally and internationally. This is an umbrella that includes everything from taxis to limos. GET also operates its own consumer-focused ride-hailing service. Rosecliff CEO Mike Murphy also joins us to discuss his team's process and why he likes GET as a bet on a return to post-pandemic travel. Take a listen. Get has been getting at it with the ride-hailing space for quite some time, but your focus on the current B2B concierge model has really evolved in the past few years. What made you first realize that that was a major opportunity? You're right. We, we, we founded company in 2010 uh, in Israel, and it started as a ride-hailing company. Uh, we quickly became uh, a market leader in Israel and uh, uh, profitable and uh, grow organically since then. Uh, and more importantly, along this journey, we've been serving many B2B names. And what we found is that um, companies have an average 20 to 60 different transportational vendors. And there is no platform that actually manage this entire span. And so this is how we developed our solution. And uh, in 2017 or about, we first had a technology that actually enable us to aggregate all different options on one single platform. So you can imagine having um, from taxis to limo, everything. And the moment we had this technology, uh, of course, this is when we uh, put all of our resources uh, toward B2B, right? Uh, You can imagine that overnight we went from uh, being local operator, uh, moving people from A to B, we became an enterprise software that actually uh, global and have access everywhere because we now have a technology that rely on other operators. And effectively what we do, we manage uh, those operators and we help companies to control the entire spend. So from that moment in 2017, this is when we shifted uh, everything we do uh, toward this business model. And uh, finally, today we already have um, more than 65% of our revenues coming from B2B. Uh, and more than 25% of Fortune 500 names are clients of GET. So you can imagine this is the prime engine uh, that uh, drives us forward, and that's where the focus. We still have uh, our B2C business that is profitable and uh, organically growing fast. It's interesting because I, I realized when I was looking through your materials that I, I think I still have somewhere in, in, in my wallet a, a coupon for a, a GET ride uh, back probably when you were, you were pushing the B2C side a little bit more. But given that you're seeing now there's some more promise on the B2B side, like, you know, kind of what have you learned through the, the case, I guess, the B2C journey and, and, and through the ride hailing experience in that competition? And, and why do you think that B2B is now a bit of a better business? No, we always believe that B2B business is, is very prominent, right? The, the, the margins are much higher, the business is much stronger. It's that no one really uh, before that and still <laughs> have an ability to operate a transportational service that is truly global, means we can operate everywhere, and it has no operation. So moving and shifting from operation to provide a software, spend management platform effectively, right? For companies to manage other operators. Uh, from that moment, 
you can imagine that we went from uh, addressable market being a few countries, whatever the spend is, to global spend. <laughs> so mm. it's even not about moving from B2C to B2B, it's being able to capture this entire spend for B2B around the world. By the way, it's been validated by third party, uh, the global spend for ground transportation by corporates is more than 101 billion US dollars. So uh, we effectively have a first mover advantage in such a big market uh, with a highly profitable business model. Not only first mover advantage, we already capture that by having um, a very strong portfolio of companies. I mentioned more than 25% of Fortune 500, just give you an example, uh, companies like Google, Disney, uh, McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, uh, Apple, uh, Tesla, Coca-Cola, many others. So I just, I don't think the average person realizes just how complicated managing ground transportation for a large employer is. So can you talk about how much can be saved by outsourcing and how does your technology give an edge there? Actually running or managing ground transportation for corporates, uh, it's a mess. Uh, it's a mess because uh, it's highly fragmented. As you said, people might be not aware of the fact that there are many more times uh, of uh, different vendors than airlines. There are tens of thousands of vendors, right? So, and companies have between 20 to 60. The moment they have more than um, one fleet, this is where get um, uh, value is, right? So the moment you have more than one fleet, you need to manage uh, ordering, invoicing, uh, travel policy, price comparison, uh, uh, fraud, and so on. And that's what Get does. And the moment we, we, we get in, we provide standardization and control, as I mentioned. And second uh, answer to your question is that we prove to save companies up to 49%. Uh, by the way, it might be shocking <laughs> to hear such a number, right? Today, in, in nowadays, if you have a business model that just you know improves something by a few percentages, it would be nice, right? Especially across such a big market. Uh, I'm telling you that in average, we save 25%. Uh, to our clients and up in some cases up to 49 uh, it must be shocking and some people asking us oh okay maybe you uh, you know you use your size to bull prices and you do something about pricing so let me uh, answer in, in advance it has nothing to do with prices by other words we don't touch prices we don't bull our vendors the opposite we partner with them and we pay them in full all of these savings are coming from the use of technology only so you might imagine like, okay, how come again, still so much? <laughs> so in, indeed, uh, with the help of the technology today, you can do many things, uh, especially once you have uh, all of the vendors aggregated, you uh, can apply digital tools on top of it, especially this to one uh, travel policy. So the moment we do that, we can save a lot and um, and, and save un unnecessary travel practically, right? And second, people don't realize that the fact that you have that many vendors, they still lose something like 25%, like while we are speaking, companies are losing 25% uh, on they spend by not using Get because while they have that many vendors, they cannot uh, compare prices in real time. So they end up doing not most efficient choices. So you see, you can save that much money without pushing the price. You just uh, give transparency and clarity in real time uh, for any employee. What are the other options out of those that they already have? <laughs> so it's ironic, right? I mentioned you have it already. We don't add more vendors. We just uh, start to manage your entire spend uh, in a more uh, cost-effective way.
And it looks like you first deployed this model in the UK and Russia, followed by the United States. Why did you approach the rollout in that order? And what are the different challenges that each of those places bring? We already operate in, 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 um, in a few countries and we're rolling out uh, new countries, um, pretty much uh, a new country every quarter. And, and this rollout is now possible without having any operation on the ground. Okay, so first let's understand the, the business model. Different from any uh, operator that we know that to launch a country, they need to be present and they need to spend enormous amount of money and people and operation and subsidies and all of that. We don't do that. We literally connect and aggregate existing vendors uh, across all different sectors and we launch without having people on the ground and we have a full service. So that enables us to launch across um, uh, entire spectrum in, in any country. We started from the countries where we had our initial operation uh, and we had some um, uh, successes with the early successes with our uh, B2B. So it was easy for us to launch where we had an operation. And of course, uh, once we moved uh, all of our clients to um, our most advanced solution, what we call Gen 10, Generation 10, as you can imagine, 10 years of experience doing B2B, no one really understood better than us uh, B2B ground transportation. So first, uh, we upgraded all our existing clients. As I mentioned, 65% of our revenue is coming from B2B. And we moved uh, and we offered them the disaggregation solution, uh, managing all other vendors. And, and by now, we already made this number public. Actually, 40% um, of all of, uh, of our B2B rights are already served by third party. So imagine, so technology and the business model I'm, I'm sharing with you is not just a nice idea. This is uh, hundreds of millions of uh, dollar uh, revenue business, and which is actually run and, and use um, um, other operators in the world. So from that moment, of course, we started to launch more countries and um, we do it in a, in a cost-effective way that never been done before. Great. And I want to get uh, Mike involved in the discussion as well, but this is really kind of a question for both of you in that just in terms of timing, because I imagine, you know, COVID-19 has done a lot to disrupt business travel in general, um, but you managed to continue to grow your contribution profit through those years. So, I mean, for uh, for both of you, just really first from, from Mike's perspective, like how did Get stand out given the timing that, you know, we're in right now? Um, uh, what What jumped out to you about it? So COVID has changed and affected, impacted everything we do and, and how we do it. But, you know, more so than anything, probably it's travel. So, you know, when you look, so obviously having a, a, an economy or a country or the world shut down is not good for anyone or anything. Um, but since we've gotten past the initial lockdowns, you know, now as people are realizing COVID is here in some way, shape or form and probably going to be here, but people still have to work. People still have to get along with their lives. Corporate ground transportation management business or just people traveling for business, to put it in layman's terms, it is not only going to continue, uh, but it's going to be done differently, you know, where, where some corporations want to be able to track it that much closer or that much better and have a system to know where their employees are going and how they're getting there. So we'd be better off without COVID, period. But um, the offering of Get, actually, you, you could argue there could COVID could provide, once everything's open, COVID could provide a tailwind for the company. Uh, I think everyone expected us in, in during the COVID to, to see the reduction in volume and revenues like, a, like everything in the travel sector, right? That's what the expectations were. And I think people are uh, quite impressed by seeing our numbers. Uh, during COVID, it was our best year 
it was the first time when we achieved uh, um, segmental EBITDA positive and we grow since then. Uh, we uh, expect to achieve full year of profitability on the company level uh, next year, 23. And we already demonstrated how the worst year looked like. So the, the, the COVID year 20, this is when we get segmental EBITDA positive for the first time. It was our worst year like in any segment, but different from probably any other company that went down by 40 up to 60%. Uh, travel was 90, uh, right hailing was 60, and um, in other segments, uh, anywhere between 40 to 60. Get as we um, as we published, we've been down in our uh, revenues just by 10%. This was the worst year. So you can imagine, probably that's the factual answer to what's happening with the, our B2B model during COVID. Uh, it's quite resilient because uh, what people think of the uh, travel uh, is uh, being cross-border, right? But what uh, Get does, we help companies to manage the ground transportation uh, spend, which uh, uh, mostly uh, or effectively is, is local, right? Before COVID, uh, 5% was about cross-border and 95% local. So when uh, travel was shut down, people still were going to meetings in uh, different locations. And again, factually, we finished 20 with just 10% down in our top line and our best year on the bottom line. And since then, we keep uh, improving uh, in our profitability. And of course, we grow in the top line. Um, and as you can know from our numbers, by a factor of three uh, in uh, three years uh, outlook. And uh, we have a momentum now in 21 being our best year where we show that uh, we estimate this Q4, uh, we finish with more than three X uh, improvement in uh, segmental EBITDA compared to Q1. So not only we going strong, but just within last year with everything happening, <laughs> Uh, our uh, segmental bid that went uh, uh, become even better by a factor of three. That's interesting because I think there's also multiple ways you can look at sort of the, the COVID-19 impacts on companies as well, because on one hand, you know, companies that are still being squeezed. Well, one of those places where you might be able to find efficiencies is the fact that if you have like a full-time employee, that's just, just taking receipts and expense reports and all this kind of stuff. And it's not even being handled and efficient and you know, in a way that you're actually saving money and you're, and you're having to pay somebody for that. I mean, it's, there's still things that you can, you can do um, as a technology company. It seems like that, that that's addressing companies, no matter, no matter how much, you know, or, or which ways COVID has, has affected their business. As we were speaking to investors, um, both in the IPO and uh, Pipe Roadshow, you know, whenever there was, a, it was a large bank we were speaking to. And when Dave would go into his part about you know, the, the, just the mess that global transportation and ground transportation management globally is, um, the large banks would all start shaking their heads up and down. Going, oh my God, we know, we get it, we understand. So, um, you know, I think for, for the, the, the enterprise clients out there, um, I, I think they, they know the mess that it is and, and the problem that uh, gets solved. And, and, and I agree. And I want to pick up um, where Mike ended last time about the COVID being actually uh, providing a tailwind. It's, 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 it's hard to, um, it's, it's actually easy to, uh, to understand when you think that COVID changed uh, a few things uh, in how people uh, travel and especially uh, the accelerated shift in uh, B2B transportation uh, to reflect a few new, uh, realities. Number one, remote first. So people are about to stay home, which is fine, but it's a new reality for the companies. It means that now they have the employees being spread across 
uh, a broad location and national coverage, right? They also now hire in different places. So again, they need broader uh, coverage. So that's the new reality. People are spread. They have uh, new locations that they didn't have before. And um, equally important that there is a shortage in drivers. So you now experience that no single vendor is good enough. Uh, you probably know that you know the pickup times are now longer than before. So all of these new realities actually require a business to upgrade the infrastructure to support those new realities. And that's where the, you know, for Zoom, uh, during the COVID was the peak time. And uh, because that's that's where people kind of been looking for solution. For us, the best times, probably a year after the COVID, this is where they, okay, proactively now looking for solution. If before you come and say, it's about the time to modernize and upgrade your infrastructure and IT, now it's them looking for the solution because they, whatever they had before, it's just not good enough. Yeah, totally. And I, and I want to get into sort of how your model works and kind of the economics of it on the micro, I guess, a little bit. Just looking at your uh, your materials here, it appears you have a kind of an effective 15% take rate on on top of each fare. Can you talk about how that breaks down once it gets to your end and, and how things might be different once you'd have a, a partner fleet and, and some more uh, in-house uh, twists on it? Yes. Yeah. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about our business model. So it's straightforward and simple, right? Uh, different from operators, we don't make money from drivers. In fact, we, again, remember, we don't compete with the operators. We don't replace them. The opposite, we, we, we actually partner with them and, um, and we pay them in full. So they see us as a free uh, acquisition channel. That's why we have that many. I just want to use this opportunity to mention that we have 2,000 uh, partners uh, on our platform, 2,000 different companies with different services from taxi to limits and, and, and ride hailers. So we're not making money there. We make our money only from corporates. We um, ask them uh, to pay 15% markup and you might think it's a ridiculously high number. Uh, the beauty uh, that we speak about is that we have more than 10 years of experience, so I can talk from the, from the fact perspective. We proved to charge 15% markup across our entire portfolio for many years, full stop. So that's how we, do, uh, we make money and that's how we prove to make money. Now, the moment you acknowledge that our source of revenue, you also remember that we don't have that expense that have to do with the running our own uh, mobility network. And this is where the biggest problem, remember, it not only takes a fortune to launch something like this, then you know the problems of operators that have to solve is about subsidies and competition. And of course, you know, it's never ending game. Again, it's, 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 it's a good business if you invested that, many, that much money along that many years, but for any new player, it costs a lot of money to launch new territory, etc. In case of GET, you don't have it. GET is not an operator. Get is a uh, enterprise software, global enterprise software that sit on top of the operators. We have no expense related to running those operations. That fifteen percent go straight to the bottom line. And and talking to companies doing SPAC deals, we've also interviewed those that are working on autonomous vehicle technology. What kind of opportunities could that open for Get? Fantastic. I mean, the more the more options that are available in the market. So the, the life of enterprises become more complex. <laughs> you might think it's good for, for enterprises, but as long as, if you don't have a platform, more option actually means more mess. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really where GET, um, remember the, the value that uh, GET provides arises from the, um, from the place that the moment operator, um, uh, a company have more than one vendor, they need to have a platform to operate it. So this is where the GET, uh, is helpful. So now if you talk about uh, autonomous, there will be new options like autonomous, and I, I believe there will be even more options later. Uh, it's all good because we connect to all of those options and we 
for the first time, we aggregate them in one place and we give full access and control uh, across all of them. So company don't need to, to think about managing it. They have full transparency and savings, but equally the employee experience, we didn't uh, speak about that. Uh, you can imagine why employees are liking the service like this, why we have such a high rating, why actually people from those companies and logos I mentioned are using us, is because by design, we are bigger than the sum of the parts. I mean, when you aggregate different vendors, you, by design, you are you can provide faster pickup times or better price than any of them, any single one of them, right? By design, like in any uh, uh, aggregation model. So employees enjoying the fact that they don't need to touch cash. They have one system, one platform, and they have a better and the best pickup times or a better budget decision. Full stop. Now add to this a autonomous, fine. And another great option. <laughs> but we will present it based on travel policies of the company. Um, uh, and we will um, we'll enable it per different rules and, and options. And we'll present it in real time um, along other options that company believe that you, a uh, particular employee or department, um, uh, able to use and um, you know people often think all oh, companies provide you know uh, extra policies and they limit options it's the it's the opposite actually uh, in our world uh, is all about providing more perk so service like get is actually giving you imagine you are an md or, 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 uh, or director in the company and one of the perks you might get today will get is actually having a better pickup times because the the travel policy will be optimizing your service for pickup time and if company talking about call center and they want to optimize the cost they might optimize the travel policies for example for savings in that case we'll choose the better we'll provide the you know the best uh, budget option right uh, but if you want to provide it as a perk for employee, then again, GET will give you much more reliable service and faster pickup times. I hope it's clear. Yes. So GET is looking to enter France, Germany, Spain, and, and Italy later this year. That's what right. is your strategy for rolling out in those new places? Is it more a client by client basis or city by city? It's, it's really, again, a fantastic opportunity to talk about, uh, about it. Look. Uh, what usually people think about launching new country, what come to their mind, I talk, talk, talked about it before, it costs a fortune, takes a lot of time, it's not a case of get, we, we already know that. But what people also don't acknowledge is that when we launch the service, from day one, the quality of our service is way better than any of the single operators that have been there forever. Like you might think, you know, for example, get uh, entered the US, right, uh, and we uh, just launched in the US. So you would think is that, you know, uh, as any new company playing in a new country, it will take forever to get uh, similar quality like others. It's the opposite. Because what you don't see is forget to launch a new country, answering your question, for us to launch a new country, we start the preparation work two, three years before. Because we only launch after we aggregated all of the options. So by the time we launch, and what you see is actually the result of two, three years work that we did before, signing those partnerships, integrating them in the platform. So by the day we launch, and from this, this very first day, you have a national coverage and you have a better pickup times than any of the single operator. The launch, the go-to market is exactly the same. We aggregate all the different options from taxi to limo. And by the day we launch, we give from day one national coverage and better pickup times and better prices. And from that moment, the service is available. And as I mentioned before, it doesn't cost us to have that operation and, and and our partners especially the ones who go first they are the smartest one because 
what happens is that uh, our portfolio of clients, those Fortune 500, the moment they start, we, we open new country, we enable just with switching on the policies, they now can travel to those countries and we enjoy to complete the go-to-market go strategies that we have a supply from day one and we have demand from day one because those companies travel around and, and our partners enjoying this, uh, this uplift and, and free demand, if you wish, seeing us as a free sales channel. So it's really win-win. It's, it's, it's very important. That's why we have 2,000 partners. Those are the pioneers who join and, and, and they, of course, they enjoy this, um, this flow of demand for free. It's good for their business model because it's, they don't need to subsidize this traffic. They also enjoy the profits because we are not charging and we're not making any money from the traffic itself. Yeah, totally. And I want to get to the SPAC side of things a little bit too, because, you know, Mike, your, your background in terms of your team, you, you've invested in a, a ton of, of really interesting, fast growing companies. You know, once you were approaching this as a SPAC, could you tell us a bit about your process? And, and uh, you mentioned a bit about, you know, some of the things that made GET stand out to you, but it's an unusual time and, 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 and a new vehicle for approaching it. So back, you know, when, when SPACs really started to heat up um, again, I guess that was back, you know, maybe pre-COVID, so early 2020, um, I was approached by several of our portfolio companies about the prospect of potentially going public through a SPAC. Um, a, lot of bit, a lot of them had um, been approached by different SPACs. And, you know, as I really dug into the SPAC, the 2020 version of the SPAC market, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, we have here at Rosecliff, you know, we see so many different deals. And I thought it would be really cool to have a vehicle to help one of these high growth private companies if they wanted a fast track to the public markets. It would be great if I had the right team with me to to be able to facilitate that or to help a company with that. So I reached out to some friends, kind of take their temperature on it. Um, people I had met over the years in, in the industry. And, um, you know, first person I reached out to was Brian Radecki, who was the former CFO at CoStar. You know, so he was at CoStar from 30 million um, up to almost 30 billion. Um, and he was a public market CFO, someone who I relied upon a lot over the years to speak to our founders um, who um, were looking to go public um, because his insight of, um, dealing with Wall Street and dealing with the process of going from private to public, I, I think is invaluable. Um, so uh, I spoke to Brian and he thought it was a great idea and was on board. Uh, next, I reached out to Jordan Zimmerman, who's um, who self-made guy runs one of the uh, top marketing and advertising agencies in the country. And, uh, you know, I, I just figured any company that's looking to go public could benefit from uh, marketing and advertising genius like Jordan. Um, he loved the idea. Um, so next, I, I went with uh, someone from for kind of a a, um, a different approach. Um, Kieran Goodwin is the uh, is a distressed um, credit trader, um, so a guy who um, was the head trader at King Street, a twenty two billion dollar fund. And Kieran looks at things more from save my glasses, three quarters full at all times. His let's say is opposite. Um, you know, he sees things differently. And I thought he he would bring a um, a value add to us there in helping to price and structure a deal. Um, then two other members of the team, uh, Heather Bellini, who was a former um, technology analyst and partner at Goldman Sachs for years, um, who's now the CFO at a, um, a high growth cybersecurity startup. And uh, Frank Edmonds, um, who was also has extensive knowledge throughout the real estate industry through hedge funds. Um, so I said, if this whole team sticks, I think we can really be at a value add team for any company. And 
um, it stuck. And, you know, we, we on paper, it looked great. But when we got together, a lot of it over Zoom, of course. But um, when we got together, I realized that the team really gelled and we had a lot of synergies and we also had a, a lot of different skill sets that I thought would be helpful. Then as we met with different companies, um, you know, we, we met with a lot of great companies. But um, as I touched on earlier, when, when we met Get and Dave and Alexi and Max and their whole team, um, you know, we were familiar with the company because they'd been around for uh, a decade at the time or close to it. But, um, you know, we saw an opportunity, really, I think, to for them to have a first, not just disrupt a sector, but really to have first mover advantage in this space. And uh, then we also thought that our, our collective team would be able to really assist them um, as they expand throughout the U.S. and globally. And, um, you know, real, really also um, help them from a, as a public company um, in a lot of ways through expansion and um, through uh, Brian, uh, who will be joining the board. So, yeah, I, I thought it would, it's a great opportunity. And I think our team just fits well with the uh, Get team. And I think we can bring a lot of, uh, a lot of synergies, but also a lot of uh, value add to them. You also mentioned the market correction that we're, we're witnessing right now as well, and you know I, I just wanted to address it a little bit, just because you know some of the uh, some of the winds in the market have, have blown against SPACs as well. But I think that's why it's was, important to. Always... I haven't noticed at all. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I figured. I mean, it's always important to point out that you know the ways in which these deals are not all the same. There, there's quite a bit of difference between them, not only in the teams themselves, but in the the structure of the transactions. And 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 could you just get into that a little bit, Mike, in terms of the ways in which that your team has really aligned its interests with get and and how this is different from a lot of the deals we see really we we are aligned with the shareholders where so our shares are locked um, for a year in some cases here not just to quote unquote do a deal but to be part of a deal to be part of a company um, and to see that company grow from where we are today to um, hopefully we're looking three to five years down on the road we're looking at a company that's not just extremely profitable but the head and shoulders winner in the uh, ground transportation management space, um, which, as we've touched on, is a hundred billion dollar space. So, yeah, we're I think as a sponsor group, you know, I, I think we kept it pretty simple, like, you know, we're pretty straightforward. You know, we, we have a great team um, and we found um, we think is a great uh, partner to merge with. But, um, you know, I think it's important rather than you hear talk in the media sometimes about um, incentives um, for sponsors like you know, we've, um, we, we want to earn every nickel we make in this deal. We think we will. Great. Well, it's certainly an interesting one, and especially being a, a SPAC deal bringing to market a company that, as you mentioned, is a first mover and it's coming into the market at, at, at a fascinating time when, when travel is coming back and companies are going to be looking at it completely differently. Mm-hmm.